Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Okay, it says I'm unmuted now. You're a mutant now? Damn it, those bastards are always casting aspersions. Every time I come on there, they call me a mutant, too. Fuckers. Yep. Not a member of the X-Men. Well, I guess I am. I, I, if I am, Professor X hasn't got a hold of me yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Professor X. <laughs> well, how's the new phone holding up there? Sounds like it sounds okay. Uh, I'm just not used to holding the phone up to my head. I haven't done this in four years now. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't have hands free, so that's what I do all the time. Welcome to the world of building up your shoulder muscles. <laughs> Dang, I don't know. And well, all the years that I worked and where I had to have a phone with me all the time at my job, I had a headset. You know, it wasn't as cool as a headset now for just my cell phone, but, you know, the big heavy one that had the cords on it. Yeah. It attached me to my desk. Yep. All right, well, shall we get her started then? I already downloaded the file from the previous one, so I can use that for the intro, so you can just basically go right into it. I think the only question that I that still hasn't been answered yet is their, his feet and his walking. We didn't really okay, get, well, to get into that, so if you want to answer the questions about his ticklish feet and how he actually walked to compliant gait, all that good stuff. Okay. Yeah, I was just going to say, I've never told about, actually, when he was younger, not when we got to where we're at in the story, but younger, when I tried to tickle him, it was, he couldn't handle it. It it was, it was like it was overload. 
So let me know when you're ready. All right. Well, three, two, one. All so right. we're back with Kevin, and uh, one of the, before we get back into the the last section of the Glag Saga, uh, one question that I brought up here that a bunch of other people have mentioned that hasn't really been fully talked about yet is Glag's feet. And you were telling me a little bit the other day about how you could like tickle him, and he could actually feel that through his feet. And also the you know the mid tarsal break and how the Bigfoot tightrope walk as opposed to stra- straddle step like we do, and you know having a bunch of close observation of him walking around. What did you notice about it? Well, first off, when it, it was only when he was a lot younger, you know, when I first met him. That I was able to do that because then he wouldn't even let me get anywhere around his feet <laughs> as he started as he started getting older. But when he was wrestling around and you know what you do with a human, you tickle their feet when you're trying to get them, and it was like it was uh, overload. It was like it was too much for him to handle when I tried to tickle his feet. But it was just certain spots, you know, where the big pads are up closer to the toes that. It was right there at the break is where it, it was too much for him. The mid-tarsal break, I guess I should say that. And I think, this is just me personally, I think their feet act as a whole lot more than just feet for them, something that we don't have anymore if we ever had it. But their feet do. Um, I've heard, I think I heard Taylor mention about how his feet are always on the ground. Yeah, even when they're sleeping, they keep the bottom of their feet in contact with the ground the ones he's been around anyway. Yes, and that was another thing. is It was really hard for me to get to where I could tickle the bottom of his feet But when we're wrestling around. But, yes, I, something I noticed also, well, I didn't notice it back then, but thinking back is, you know, when we're sitting there, he's always sitting to where his feet were on the ground. Mm-hmm. And it, that, that was an excellent observation by from Taylor that I'd never thought about, but yeah, that is exactly the same way Glag was, especially as he started getting older and, you know, a lot bigger and paying more attention when we moved him farther back in and I wasn't around as much. And I'll, I'll explain about their walk and then I'll go back to what I, why I think their feet are more than just feet, but you know, when, when I'd hang on to him or when he'd pick me up, you couldn't feel like if a human, if you're riding piggyback on somebody like when you was a kid, you could feel him running. You could feel, feel the, the jarring effect of them running. It, it was, it's hard to explain, but it was so smooth. Every time, every single time, either Glad picked me up or I, you know, hung on his back. It, I don't think I ever looked close enough to see if he's, you know, like walking the tightrope, what is that, the um, compliant gait, I believe. I think that's what it's called, how they walk one foot in front of the other one. But Well, no, the compliant gait is actually a reference, from what I understand, from what Meldrum said, is a reference to the fact that they don't bob up and down and they never lock out their legs. Yep. They've got that real smooth... Uh, just like watching somebody cross-country skiing, they kind of glide along. Okay. See, I wasn't sure what that was or what the terminology is, so 
So the complaint gate would mean that's how I didn't feel the jarring effect from his, you know, exactly. in the yeah. ground. That's how it was always just, you know, it was weird. It no, you never felt. I never felt that when I was when he, when I was up off the ground, hanging on his back, or him carrying me. Now, like I said, I didn't notice if you know how you see pictures at trackways and stuff, how their their feet are in a line. I never paid that much attention to look down. You know, when we're moving, I was trying to hang on when I was hanging on to his back. But um, I never paid yeah, well, much attention to the tracks, you know, right. if if he left anyone was goofing around. I just never thought of it. When he was trotting along, how how would he put his foot down on the ground? You know, just as an example of something else we probably got to see. Um, it's totally different stride than ours. Well, the stride, first off, is long, but it's more like a... How do you explain it? It not a heel strike and then roll over to the ball of your foot and push off with your toes. It wasn't. It looks totally different than how it is when we take a step. You know, we land with our heel and then roll over and then you know push off with our toes like that. It's kind of almost like the knees come up at a different angle and almost like a flat-footed step. I don't, I don't know if that's making any sense, but it's totally different how their foot hits the ground and than ours does. It's not a heel strike. Mm-hmm. So when we're taking a step, we'll land with the heel, then we'll place the whole foot on the ground, and then we'll end up with, like, on the ball of the foot and kicking off with the toes again, going yeah. to the next step. And I think if I get it right, what you're saying is that he'd put his whole flat foot down, and his whole In flat foot that- would sort of stay down until... He was ready to pull the whole foot up again. And it's the how they're hunched forward has got them on that forward momentum, and that's what moves them forward as much as you know that the, how they yeah. put up with the toes. It's does that make sense? You know, because how yeah. they're essentially, over, like yeah. they're, essentially they're using gravity. They're falling forward and they're catching themselves. They're the catching next it with step. their feet. Yeah. And maybe that's why you know they can move so fast is there's so much weight that's falling forward constantly and that's how they can move so fast <laughs> that oh, was so God, I don't know I think a lot of it has to do with how big they are for one thing yeah, three steps how, three times how much ours. muscle mass they have yeah you know, kind of funny and they're not slow to start with they can move fast when they want to so yeah that plus the tremendous step length and that you know and <clears throat> they don't get tired very easy either so like, if they decide to take off full speed they can do it for a while oh yeah and it's like I've said before, how fast they are, you cannot, you can't comprehend it. When you see it, you can't comprehend it. Your mind and your eyes can't move that fast. If you watch them from a dead stop to a all-out, you know, top speed run, you're going to lose sight of them because your eyes and everything can't follow them as quick as they can move. And as, if that, you know, just a natural ability like that, that can make them seem paranormal. And some of the stuff, because just how, you know, unreal it's how yeah. fast they can move. You, I think that gets some people, because we expect larger animals to be, you know, they're bigger, they're bulkier, they're slower. And that always seems to be the case. Unless they're charging you or something, most of the bigger animals just don't move that fast. So for us to see, you know, something that weighs eight, nine, or 100 pounds, that can take off like a bolt of lightning. It's counterintuitive to us. We just don't expect something that big to be able to move that fast. Yeah. 
something that nobody ever thinks about. It takes us four or five step of our steps to equal one of theirs. Now, yeah. just at a normal walk, if you were covering that much ground just at your normal speed, you'd, you'd be moving as fast as you are if you're maybe not a full speed run, but a fast, a, you know, a jog or a, a fast jog or a slow run, that's how fast you'd be moving if you were taking, covering as much ground as they are in one stride, you know, us, it's going to take you four or five steps to match that one stride. And just them at a walk, they're, you know, covering so much ground, so much more than us. Yeah. <sighs> Amazing stuff. So now one thing I've, you know, seen examples of tracks for of all different sizes, apparently all different ages of squatches. One thing they always notice is that uh, even on some of the little, uh, you know, some of the little women that are out there doing the research and they haven't got a very big foot and they'll find a little bitty track and put their foot next to it and it's like their foot doesn't sink into the ground at all. But the track that's the same size definitely did. So we already know they're a lot heavier, but sometimes it kind of makes it hard to to tell from looking at the track what exactly is going on there. And it seems like, and this is a good one that you can answer because you got to see and tickle his feet when he was still younger did it look like he had any kind of an instep at all in the bottom of his foot? Um, only where the where the the hinge is in the middle, the the break thing, the what the mid tarsal break. But so like where we have an instep on our foot, where a classic human instep is, they don't have that at all. They all look flat foot. Yeah, it's it's fairly flat, but it doesn't. It's got pads on it, but not like a dog's pads. It's just right. Um, and how, how do you explain that? It, it's it's a pad, but it's not a pad. It, it's not just that, you know, their feet are tough. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it, it maybe callus would be the best way so you can understand it, but it's a little different than a callus. It, it's just, you know, it, it, it's something different that you've never, that I'd never seen before. And then I didn't pay much attention to it after that. It's just the way it was, and it wouldn't, it wasn't any big deal to me. Now I wish I would have paid a lot more attention to some of the stuff because I could answer questions better. But it just, you know, when I was young, and it just never crossed my mind. Yeah. Now you're just experiencing it. You aren't sitting there thinking about it, and you know, statistically analyzing every single last detail of what's going on. You're just like, oh, this is cool. I got a Bigfoot for a friend. But, well, I was, I was just, you know, I was just hanging out with my buddy. It's like, you know, if you, how much stuff do you actually know about the people you hang out with? You can go do stuff with them and just enjoy being with them and not really know, you know, ever, you know what I mean? You don't know yeah. 100% about them. It's just once you get to know them and know that you get along and you have fun when you're out doing stuff, that's what you focus yeah, on. I'm not, yeah. I wasn't trying to prove that he existed. I wasn't trying to, you know, tell people or, you know, prove the species exists. I didn't want anybody to know about him. I wasn't doing anything to, you know, prove anything. You're about doing just him. the opposite. Yeah, you were trying to avoid trying telling to, anybody. I didn't want anybody to know about him. Right. And that's where, you know, if I would have had a camera, I would have never taken it up there and taken a picture. You know, and that might be so foreign to people because the big thing is, you know, why didn't you take a picture? I can't believe that you was out there with a Sasquatch and didn't take a picture. I didn't want people to know about him. I tried to keep 
And that's when you listen to my story, remember that. Remember what happened to him in the beginning. I didn't want people to know about him. I wanted him to leave him alone. So. Well, let's get back to the saga then. So it's after after you had your arm accidentally yanked out of the socket and got plopped in the top of a 60-foot up a tree anyway so that you could sit safely there while the flag was romping and stomping on some bad guys apparently, which went on for way too long. And then uh, you managed to get back out of the woods again with your even with your arm messed up, made it back to town. You're in town for... Like what? About five weeks, and you had to go see five, the doctor. Five and a half, six weeks, somewhere in there. Yeah. And you had to go see the doctor at some point. What the doctor yeah. had to say? Uh, well, he just asked me what had happened, and I told him that I wrecked on my motorcycle, and he's like, "How did you rip your arm? How did you do that? Wrecking on the motorcycle?" And I said, "Well, I had to make up some story that seemed like it was would work." I told him I wrecked up in the mountains and I rolled off over the side of the trail and hit on something that popped my shoulder out like the roots of a tree or something. I don't remember exactly what the story was, but again, it was using a motorcycle wreck up in the mountains is the excuse. And he was like, okay, he said, are you sure? And it's like, yeah, go look at my bike. Should I get ready to send protective services on your brothers again? Oh man, yeah. I'm a small town country doctor, though. He, he, yeah, he, he was a veterinarian too. Almost sounds like he was a little suspicious that you were something else had happened to you, and you weren't willing to tell him about it. I, that's what I said. I think I said that. I might have just been when me and you were talking. That's what I think is he probably figured it was something that my brothers did. Yeah. But knowing my family is like, well, if he's not telling me, then it's probably, you know, everybody, it's obvious my shoulders hurt. If he's not going to mention, say any, what actually happened, well, it, again, yeah. Yeah, something's already been, if it was my brothers, they'd already been in trouble he's probably for it. thinking, yeah, it's one of his brothers, and he'll be fine as soon as his arm heals up. He'll just get a Louisville slugger and get revenge and nothing to worry about. No, I just got bigger years later and went toe-to-toe with him each one-on-one as we got older. That's another story, though. Not for the retelling on this show, maybe. Um, So anyway, so it was like five weeks, and you finally got back out there again. And uh, you took your same old motorcycle out there. How did it feel on the shoulder trying to go down all that bumpy road after? It took a long time to get back up there. Not as bad as when I came back, you know, that night. But I'd say it probably took me about an hour and a half, two hours longer to get up there than it normally did, right. just because I had to go a lot slower. And the stuff that I'd jump over or ride through real fast, I had to go real slow, kick it down a couple of gears, and just barely creep up. Certain There's a couple of places that were really steep that I had to go fast on, and when I got up to the top there, instead of continue on, I'd have to stop and take a break. So it took me a couple hours longer. But it made it back up there. You get a good reception from Glag? Uh, just like always before. Yeah, just like, like I, well, like he hadn't seen me in five and a half weeks and was happy. <laughs> yeah, I bet he was happy to see you after that. He was probably worried what happened to you after you got hurt. 
And I yeah. wonder how much like he felt guilty for doing it because obviously he realized he did it by accident. Yeah, he was. You know, it had been that long, five and a half weeks, but he was really careful with me the whole time that we was goofing off for that next day and a half. You know, I was, you, normally I'd get up there and he'd come up and give me a big hug. Well, used to just be a big hug. Then he'd pick me up and glag hug me. Not really a bear hug, it's a glag hug. But he was really, you know, that that there shows to me their intelligence. I mean, here it has been five and a half, six weeks, and... He knew he remembered, and well, he knew that he needed to be gentle with me still. Yeah. Well, because we're so pitiful and fragile, you know. I'm sure he got that early on. Yeah, yeah, well, just like yeah, when they're bigger and they break, they're pitiful. <laughs> yeah, man, you can't you can't twist them into a pretzel and without hurting them. Oh. No, no I can't, can't even play hop on pop with them now that I'm <laughs> over 500 pounds. Seems to hurt them. <laughs> Yes, oh, and for the listeners, that was his favorite Dr. Seuss book. <laughs> I don't think I'd ever mentioned that. I mentioned it to Duke last week, and yes. And what was my reaction? Up. What was my reaction? I started cracking <laughs> up right away, and he went, what's so funny? And then I'm like, holy cow, and then we uh, we probably laughed for 35 minutes because it's like, how fitting. I never made the you know the connection like we did that night. It's like, of course. Yep. Yeah, they're into slapstick comedy, physical humor, yep. hop on pop. Yep. <laughs> Obviously, that would be the Bigfoot's favorite Dr. Seuss book. And apparently it was. <laughs> Man, I wish I would have realized, you know, like I said, I, I said before, if I could go back then with the knowledge I have now, man, so much would have been different. Well, I don't think I would have had any of the experiences I had, but <laughs> because I'd be too afraid to go up there, but. You know, like that. It makes, you know, just a little goofy stuff like that. that you know, or how to, you know, I wish I would have taken stuff up there to, you know, document just for me, like the words that I cannot remember that he said. Yeah. You know, that I can't I really wish life. you had tried to alliterate some of those and, and written them down. Yes. Because that's something you could have had a list of and nobody would have known what language it was or what you were yeah. What it was supposed to be or anything. Exactly. And because at the at the time I didn't think I would ever forget what he always called me, but I didn't plan on having a stroke either. Yeah. And there's so much that I, I wasn't born with it. I was born with, you know, a pretty good mind, but I learned how and trained to get a photographic memory. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it's not, you can your brain is a muscle. It's something that you can train, just like you do your biceps or your legs, and you just have to do the right exercises. But after my stroke, everything that I I had committed to memory that way is messed up. I, the way it worked for me, how I did it, if I wanted to commit something to my photographic memory, I'd mentally take a picture of it. And it's just the way it worked for me. And then now when I go back and go into the the photo album of all of those, it's like they're blurry. You know, like when you spill water on an old glossy photograph. Right. And then you put it out in the sun to dry, and it's all, you know, distorted. And yeah. you can't actually see what the picture is, and that is infuriating because I can't get rid of the photo album, but all the pictures in it are messed up. 
That sucks. Yep. Well, we'll get a chance to talk with Kat here and, and Taylor, and uh, we'll record that so that everybody else can check it out. I'll have a, the uh, Three Musketeers of uh, Bigfoot interaction here all on the show at the same time and let you guys talk about some of that stuff. Looking forward to it. I want to, There's certain things that I wanted to ask Kat about, you know, that I've thought about nowadays on... You know, like what we're going to get to a little bit later on in this episode is, you know. Well, let's get to it. Let's quit quit holding off and dragging dragging it along here. Let's get to it. So you're you're back out there. Glag's happy to see you. It doesn't look like he's any worse for wear. He's being careful to not hurt you or anything. Were there any more repeat performances of what happened like that, or was there any close calls, or did you hear any, like, vocalizations or knocks off in the background? Did Glag ever seem like he was nervous like that? Not at all. After that night, Glag was just like he always had been. Every time I saw him, it was always, and never any tense moments after that. I was, but the environment, you know, I never yeah. felt anything odd from the environment. I've never, I never got anything like that from Glag again. Glag never was on edge like he was that night when we went way back in there to where he stayed. Nothing like that. Nothing. So it sounds like he was pretty confident that whatever the danger was, that he had pretty well neutralized it. Oh, Which makes you wonder exactly how neutralized they were. Yes. If they, if he didn't, you know, that's something we've talked about since the last episode. Man, I hope so. Because if that means everything out there is now afraid of him, that's what I wanted. I wanted him to be top dog. He's my buddy. Who doesn't yeah. want that for their family and friends? He's my brother. I didn't want anything to have it. I didn't want anybody to be able to hurt him. And anything else that might come up, hopefully they knew that, you know, don't you know, avoid this, you know, avoid three 317 Glag Avenue. That guy's mean. Don't step on his grass. <laughs> the only known martial arts Sasquatch in Idaho. <laughs> we hereby designate him as the one to avoid. Yeah, forget about the mountain lions and bears. Beware of the owner. <laughs> yeah. oh, don't make Glag angry. You wouldn't like him when he's angry. <laughs> Mercy. So anyway, after so, how long were you out there the next time that you came out? Then was it a couple that, of days? The first time it was a, it was a day and a half. Okay. Halfway through the next day, I had to leave again, and I had to, you know I got back home way after dark again, but because it was ginger, it had to be really ginger coming back home because of the rough stuff. And it took me actually three or four trips up there before it got to where I could get up there pretty quick. You know, when I left that first time after going, after the fight, after that first time going back, I told him I'd be back in six days. He was waiting for me. And from then on, you know, there's not much to tell about this until uh, the end of summer when I actually went to school. It was just me going back up there, you know, Every four or every five or six days, there's a couple of you know 
12, 13 days in between, and it was always for one or two nights. There's a couple of three- and four-night stays. But for that summer, uh, it was just me and Greg doing back to our, our old stuff, just goofing off. And I've seen a couple of people ask, you know, what did we do? Just what would two kids do in a forest? Or And we went out exploring. As boring yeah. as that seems, you know, to me, that that's all I wanted to do. Now, unfortunately, I was never able to give Glag a piggyback ride. It just couldn't happen. Right. So I always, it's like, Glag, let me hop on your back. Come on, buddy. And then run. That was the coolest thing in the world to me was when I'd try to hang on and when he starts moving quick. Now, I don't know if he is able ever able to move at top speed with me hanging on there. But just how fast he could move, it's, you know, something, the only thing close to how fast he could move is when I was in, you know, fourth gear on my motorcycle, wide open. That's how fast it felt like when I was hanging on to his back. Wow. And I don't ever think that he is moving at top speed. You know, but it's different because, you know what? What we're moving through when I when I was hanging on was stuff that you'd never be able to go that fast through on a motorcycle or anything. And you know, the bobbing and weaving, maybe not bobbing and weaving, but as he's running, going around stuff, and it's just so smooth. It and it that was my favorite thing to do was go for a piggyback ride on Glag. And he always seemed happy to do it. Well, during that whole summer when you're running around out there, now that the coast was clear, apparently, and you guys could sort of like run around, did he take you in any places that, that were on that I'm not going any further this direction list after well, this happened? That, after that, you know, we, it wasn't back in there where he was at. It was back up at our the place okay. where I, we had always met. And so there, you weren't back in at, at Flag's house. You were at the meeting ground. No, uh, no. I, man, if he would have wanted to go back in there right then, hell no. No way. <laughs> that place scared the crap out of me. So you guys were outside but, the area where they would have been anyway then, because that's yeah. what it sounds like where you had the meeting place was. Yes. Yeah, you know, where I'd park my bike, and then we'd meet, and then go back in there. Probably, yeah, I didn't know exact distances, probably about a mile from where I parked my bike, maybe less, maybe a little more. I'm not exactly sure. You know, that's the place where we'd meet. And that was... You know, with Glag carrying me from there back to where he stayed when I wasn't there, you know, it took Glag over half a day to get there, you know, not running, but moving pretty quick. Right. It, it took him, you know, half a day to get from there. And, I, you know, I'm probably way off on on the distance, but because I know how fast they can move, we might have been more than you know, 10, 15 miles back in there. Hell, we could have been 35, 40 for all I knew. I didn't know exactly. You know, how fast can he move while he's carrying me? Nobody knows. I didn't have a speedometer, and I wasn't ever paying, you know, when we went back in there, I didn't pay close enough attention. That's why when I was up in the tree, I was, one of the things that was running through my mind is, I have no idea where I'm at. And nobody knows where to even start to find me. And 
you know, if you have to send out the search party, you've only got millions of acres of wilderness to go look in. Yeah, four million. And where I, it's not like I left my bike on the side of a mountain road. It's back in on the deer trails back in there, probably about a mile and a half, two miles on deer trails hidden. Yeah. Where I parked, it was right by a uh, uh, service berry bush, big, big service berry bush, and I'd park it in there, and then I'd put boughs and stuff in front of it. I mean, you couldn't see it if you, I mean, you'd have to walk down the trails that I rode on to get to it. So if they even found my motorcycle, then how far away from there would I have been? 30, 40, 50 miles? Yeah, so, no. I would have been a missing 411 case if Greg wouldn't have won that fight. So just running around your general fun, fun area there, there was still areas that he didn't go into before that he wouldn't, he still wouldn't go into. Yeah, and I don't know if that was just a subconscious thing about me never asking to go that way. But, you know, a thing we did that summer was we did go down to the, to the river a lot or Creek, but the Creek up there is bigger than most rivers. But we did play around there a lot because there was a lot more, um, you know, like the, the currants, the service berries, the blackberries, there's all that stuff down, you know, near the water. There's a big old blackberry patch, and there's gooseberries and stuff, too. But we just spent a lot of time down by the water that summer for some reason. Fun. Probably because it was a cool ride on his back down to the water and then back up. <laughs> yeah. And plus, it's fun to play in the water during the summer when it's hot anyway. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And when you've got... Uh, you know, that's that's something that I'd thought about after the episode where I told about where he could. And there's a couple of people that, that asked questions since then. It's, yes, Glad could swim. He could swim better than I could. And I think I said it on the air, but, you know, in the where we our swimming hole, you know, it was over my head. I don't know exactly how deep it was, but there's a rock that I jump off of into there and I never hit the bottom. Unless I was trying to, but, you know, I could jump off there and cannonball and, you know, not hit the bottom. But I think I mentioned that Glad could swim upstream underwater. That's how good yeah. it was. And you had mentioned maybe he's down deep enough that he is pulling his way along the bottom on the rocks. Could be. I, I don't know. I never saw. You know, there's enough turbulence in the water that it wasn't crystal clear. But, yeah, where he dove in the water, you know, it'd come up way upstream and it's like... That doesn't make, you know, I'm like, that's not fair, Glad. I can't swim like that. <laughs> I can't even stay underwater that long going downstream, much less upstream. What are you, how are you doing that? Yep. But, but then it's like, that's not right. I can't do that. It's always going to something else. It's not something that I ever dwelled on or, you know, thought much about. It just, it's like, that's cheating. I can't do that. Another thing is anything that he could do, which was a lot that I could not do. So, Greg, you can't cheat. You have to play by human standards or human rules. <laughs> We're pitiful. Quit using yep. your abilities. <laughs> yep. You know, you need to put on bright pink sheet or something and then go play hide and seek. <laughs> yeah. Here, put this neon hat on. <laughs> yeah. And and here, hold this, you know, the little air horn things. You need to 
upload it every five seconds. Every five seconds. Yeah, and watch it still couldn't friggin' find them probably. <laughs> probably make me crap myself when I'm right there by it and the horn blows in my ear. <laughs> yeah, right. <clears throat> so anyway, you guys spent the rest of the summer out there having fun then and not worrying about the other stuff that happened. Did he ever take you back out to his actual house house again? Yeah, he he, wa- he wanted to, and it was me that was very apprehensive for a long time. And it wasn't until uh, probably early fall that uh, I've been trying to think of what he said that that, you know, he kept, you know, how he was letting me know that he wanted to go back there, you know, trying to explain that to people. I'm trying to, you know, there's so much communication between me and him that didn't involve, you know, language talking. A lot of it was, you know, your hands, hand signals. I don't even know if I said that. There's a lot of hand signals, and there's a lot of... You didn't talk about that yet, no. Okay, and there's a lot of, you know, he's my best friend, you know, just a look. You can just look at me and, like, okay, you know, it's just when you are close to somebody, it's like how two friends, one can start saying something totally off the wall and their friend will finish their sentence, you know? Yeah. can't explain it. It's just you guys are been you're good enough friends that, I mean, you can finish each other's sentences. And, you know, you just... Not that I know what he's thinking or mind speak or anything like that. I don't want to give the wrong idea. It's just he is my best friend. A lot of it didn't require words. But there was something that he said, and for the life of me, I can't remember. And I don't know if it's like, Glad, where's your, where's your house? But it wasn't house. You know, Glad, where's your, where's your home, I think is what I said. Your cave, where's your home? That's, you know. When I was trying to find out, when I figured that he wasn't living there at that spot, but there was something he said that he called it that I can't remember. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's when he, about, I'd say it was probably about, you know, early fall, it, probably before hunting season. So he wasn't calling it fall. like a, he wasn't calling it a palatial estate or anything, obviously, but yeah, but he wasn't calling it the towns or something. But there was there was just a, a word, and you know you can't think of like, you know, barn or cabin or anything. It it was one of his words, and I just cannot remember it. But it was, you know, in the end of summer was when you know at after several times of him trying to get me to go back there, and I kept saying, you know, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. And then I told him next time I come up. We'll go back there if you want to. I said, are you sure it's okay? You know, there's not going to be anything bad. And he's like, no, no, no. (laughs) No, no, no. You sound really confident. Makes you wonder what happened. I I hope nothing happened to him after that night. That was bad enough. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. That night was just, you know, nowadays if I have a nightmare, that's what my nightmare is about. Still, but, you know, it's like, it wasn't like, no, no, no. It's like when when I asked him, Glad, are you taking a bath when I'm not here? Nope. <laughs> you know, that time, like, just matter of fact, and it's like, are you sure it's okay? Is there anything back there that's going to hurt me? Nope. 
him all summer. It was probably four or five times that he really tried to get me to go back there. And I don't know if it's because he wanted a fire back there or why. It's just maybe it's because we always stayed at that was my house, you know, our vacation home, and he wanted me to come over to his house. You know, yeah. that's, there's when you're a kid and you have your friends over, half the time that you spend at their house, the other half they spend at your house. Same kind yeah. of feel, I think. Well, being kid-like, too, it's possible that there was a bunch of cool stuff around that area he wanted to show you, and you had to be there in order for him to show it to you. Yep, and we did, you know, when I did get back in there, we did the same thing there as we did at ours. We just explored, and, yeah, Glegg showed me stuff, but exactly what? No, there was a cool place that we went from where he was at, where he lived, where he stayed. There was the uh, this one place that was big, huge cliffs that overlooked, you know, it wasn't the tallest peak around there, but where it was, it was just an amazing view of the backcountry. Just, but it was kind of cool because it, the trees opened up, there's about 15 foot flat spot right there, and then a drop off and you just dark green and, you know, contrasted with the blue sky and the dark green and the forest and, you know, the blue of the stream or the river down below, it's just amazingly beautiful. Mm-hmm. And yep. there's just stuff like that. We spent half a day up there when he showed me that. Just sitting up there right right on the edge of the tree line, watching, watching, you know, looking out over the valley. You saw a couple of, I think it was an eagle. Wasn't sure, never got close enough, but saw a, a bird soaring, you know, which was, you know, pretty cool in and of itself. And, you know, I I do know now that I think I've said before about how there's something special about stuff that flies. Yeah. And, you know, it, it was just cool that day, just sitting there looking out over creation. You know, that was more fun to me than you know, anything that any other kids my age were doing, cruising or going to a video arcade or whatever. I mean, that was the funnest, sitting there with with my buddy. That was, you know, that's all I wanted to do. Yeah. You know, no. And more fun than cruising up and down Main Street in your overpriced, souped-up car. <laughs> yes. Than all the other great, the, high, the other high school kids were doing. Yeah, and you got to stop down at the end of the cruise spot because you've spent all your money on the new set of tires or valve covers or, you know, yeah. this part or that part. And so you ain't got money to put, to put, you know, a gallon and a half of gas. So you go cruising and you just sit there instead of actually cruising. <laughs> yep, remember those days. Well, we had things to do. We had lots of places to go other than cruise the little downtown strip. So that tended to not happen very much. But, yeah, I can... I can relate to that. It seemed like everybody in high school had some kind of muscle car back in the late 70s. Yep. So then, uh, any other spectacular sights or stuff around there that he showed you? That's what I've been trying to think about, you know, the, you know, because I don't want to think about this, what we're talking about right now, but trying to think, and it's nothing stands out other than the one that, you know, we'll get to in a minute, but... No, it just 
again, some of the best times of my life, just carefree, worry-free, no, you know, nobody picking on me, nobody beating me up. Right. You know, just, it was relaxing, and I think at that time, that's what I needed. So that was your, your summer vacation after getting out of high school, then, just running around the mountains with your buddy Glag. Then yep. did you end up going off to college right away that fall? Yes, I did. I didn't plan on it, but yes, I did. I got, well, I won't say exactly why, but I did wind up going to school that fall when a couple of things happened. And then that gets into another thing about how intelligent they are is, you know, when I went up and, you know, it was yeah, probably, because it wasn't, Oh, what was it? It wasn't, you know, because I didn't go in the fall, you know, because I didn't plan on going to going to college that year. I went in the spring semester, so it was going, you know, after Christmas and New Year's is actually when I started my first year of college. You know, started in the spring semester, but then when I started trying to break it, the glag about how I'm going to be gone and it's going to be more than a week or you know five days or a week or two weeks. When I told him, you know, that I'm going to be gone and it's going to be four months, you know, the second I started drawing boxes, you know, in the snow, you know, after about the third week, he looked at me and he's like, you know, it was just, that was heartbreaking when he, because he looked up and realized, holy crap, he's going to be gone a long time. Not this again, you know, and just earlier this year, it was almost six weeks. And then when I passed the six weeks, you know, just just the look on his face was, you know, realizing that I'm going to be gone that long was just heartbreaking. And, he, you know, when he looking down, he, he knew that that meant that I'm going to be gone a long time. You know, that speaks so much about how intelligent they are. I mean, before I even got done drawing the four months, he was, you know, upset. Does that make sense? Do you understand yeah. what I'm... What did he tell you? It, well, it, not a whole lot. It just the look, just the look of shock and then not, want, not wanting to let me go. You know, was, I, after I told him that, that it's going to be four months, I was only able to go back up twice more. And I, this, when I went up and told him, you know, that I'm leaving, you know, in three days, and it'll be the four months that, that <laughs> I laugh now, but, you know, heartbreaking. He didn't want to let me go, didn't want to let me go back to town. And that was when he kidnapped you, and you spent the next few years living in the wilderness. Oh, God, I You're wish. lucky it didn't end up that way. You're lucky it didn't end up that way. Man, you know, I, knowing what I know now, hell, you know, I was just a screw humans. I, I'm going to go back there and live with my buddy. You know, that might not have been a good idea, you know, come a little bit later in his life when he starts getting more and more interested in the female Sasquatches that could be around there, you know, that might not be a good thing when he 
when all of that happened, I don't know because I wasn't around. But right. Yeah, if it would have been like it was back then, you know, yeah, I would have traded that for everything, anything, anything that I've done since then. Now I would have a lot rather spent eating uh, venison, maybe a, a grouse or something else every once in a while, and berries and pine nuts and roots and stuff. I'd a lot rather do that than what I've had to deal with in this lifetime. Probably would have been more fun than college is what you're saying. Yeah, and it would have been a lot more fun than the car wreck I was in, too. And the car wreck, yeah. And then, I mean, no way to explain it, just when he realized that I'm going to be gone that long, and I said, that I have to go brag. I don't have to, but I glad I need to go. And But don't worry, I'll be back. And I said, then when I come back, we'll have all summer again. And then at the end of summer, I'll have to go back. And he's like, you know, I, I know he realized that when I leave for that four months and then I come back and then I'll have all summer because I, I was too far away and we weren't rich. I didn't have money to come back for spring break. All I did at spring break when I was in school was <laughs> stay in my dorm and sleep. After after that first semester, you know, and then told him we'd have all summer, and then he, I said, I've got to go back, and then I've got to go, I won't have all summer, I have to go back right in the middle of summer. He's like, you know, he comprehended that, you know, way before it happened when I showed him that. You know, because it wasn't until the sport that I played is why I wound up going and getting certain classes out of the way before you know, the season started mm-hmm. the fall semester. So that's why I wound up having to go spur of the moment on the, in that middle of the school year, you know, in that spring uh, uh, semester because of the scholarship that I got for the next year. So I had to start the semester before. That, well, that so this was the biggest biggest break that you guys had had in seeing each other ever in like four months so when you got back after four months was he like there? Yes. And it had looked like he hadn't been there a lot but I could tell that he'd been there some. Now here's something is when he went back and you know found his place way back there there was a blanket you know it was actually two blankets that had been stitched together with yarn and stuff in the where me and him stayed, but mm-hmm. remember, there's a lot of his stuff that he had taken back there. That's why, in case anybody ever asks, that yes, there's a blanket in his cave, and there's a blanket in the cave that me and him stayed at, the first one. And there was a couple of things I don't remember exactly. There's little trinkets that I had that was up there. You know, there's the balls. I think every ball that he popped. Was there somewhere? He just kept the pocket. <laughs> Maybe it'll work at some point. We'll just keep it around and see. Yeah, well, and I kept typing them from, you know, from school and taking another one when he'd blow one of them up. <laughs> you know, you could you could jump on one of them cherry balls. You could stand on it and it wouldn't pop. And he did 
the end. Oh, crap. Kevin. Kevin. Excuse me. Yeah, we'll edit that out. Yep. Yep, exactly. Um, and then for the for that the next couple of weeks or couple of months, I mean, till midsummer, just back to the old ways. And it was when you know I told him you know I'd have to go and I'd be here for a little bit, you know, in the middle of winter, and then I'd be gone again. That one was. And it's getting towards the end. After that, that summer that year is where I didn't get to see Glag that much. After that, and this this end part is what I want to talk to Cat about about what I saw. You know, the last day I saw him. There's not much to tell other than I came home. You know, at Christmas break, and I was at home for two weeks, and I saw Glag twice then and. You know, I got in trouble. Did he got, know? Did you, you told him you were going to be out there at that time of the year and snow yes, all there or what's it? Okay. Yes. And it was, you know, it all depended on how our team did in school as to mm-hmm. what day I would actually be back. But uh, we wound up, I wound up right before Christmas, and then I had two weeks off. I spent three days up or two days up there the first time, and three days up there the second time. And I got sick the second time, so I wasn't able to go back. And I told him I didn't know if I was going to be able to go back, but it would be four more months until I was able to come back the next time. And, you know, he wasn't, the, those times he wasn't his happy self. He, he could, I could tell that he was sad because he knows that now when I leave, you know, the last time before I went back for the spring semester, he wasn't happy at all. I mean, he wasn't wasn't angry or anything, but I could just tell that he was sad. Yeah. Because, you know, crap, he just came back. Now he's leaving again. And uh, well, this I, time, having gone through it previously, he knew what that meant, that you were going to be actually gone for quite a while. Yeah, and yeah, that saying goodbye that time, and I probably bawled my eyes out for a day and a half. We didn't do nothing but sit there by the fire. Did he cry or look like super sad or anything? Yeah, he, he did. Not like I was, but you know, crap. Yeah, that's something that I probably yeah they cry. But my, not, <sighs> not in the same way we do, but I don't think I ever mentioned that. Sorry, crap. See, here I go again. So you got to see him around Christmas, spend some time with him, then you had to go back to school for another four months. So like April, end of April maybe, or mid-April? Yeah, right after, yep. Right after substantially less snow? (laughs) Well, well, not really. Back there, (laughs) I, I rode my sled up that first time. The next time I took my bike and had to plow through some snow drifts on it, but... Wasn't enough to ride my sled up another time. I shouldn't have rode it up that first time, but I had to go through a couple of spots. But luckily, there wasn't a whole lot of rocks for my skis to get messed up on or cut up a track. But it's after that, you know, that spring when and he was there, but he wasn't early. I 
been there probably about an hour before he showed up. Oh, really? So for once, you actually beat him there. Yeah. And that's, now looking back on it, that's when it, I think I started realizing that it was going to end, but I didn't want to admit it. But after I came back in that spring semester, after that spring semester, Glag was not his normal happy self. He was glad and he happy to see me and everything, but he is distant. <sighs> Sorry, excuse me. Does that make sense? Distant? Yeah. Look preoccupied. Right. No, he was still glad and we still did stuff, but he wasn't glad. His mind was elsewhere, for lack of a better term. Or, you know how it is, how you go out with somebody, or you go out with your friends and you have a good time, but you're thinking about other stuff. You still had a good right. time, and they still, but they could tell that you, you wasn't, your head wasn't in the game. Did you ask him about it? Did you notice it and ask him about it at the time? Or? Yeah, I asked him a bunch. Like, What's the matter? You just don't see. Sorry about that. Crap. The phone fell out of my hands. You there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 but, you know, what did he say? I don't know. I, you know, it's just, it, everything's fine, you know. I'm sorry. Don't mean to keep saying you know. Just when I'm upset, I do it. You know, I just did it so again. Basically, he didn't really give you a straight answer. There was no, nothing like that. When I asked him, what's the matter? The answer I got was everything's fine, but I could tell that no, it wasn't. Something's different. Just you seem distant. That makes sense. I could tell that it wasn't, you know, the same lag. All right. Sorry. Hold on. Let me. I'm gonna blow my nose again. Hold on. It was still fun, still had fun with my buddy, but there was something else that was holding him back from having the fun that we had before, if that makes sense. We still had yeah. fun together, but, you know, he was getting older. I had been gone for basically, you know what, a year and a half and was only up there a few times. And he had gotten used to me not being around is what I thought right then. Yeah. And I figured, well, I can, after school, I can come back and, you know, it'll get back to the way it was before. Right. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. And it was just two or three visits after that is the last time I saw him. When I came back at the spring semester, that first one, I noticed things were different. Glegg was distant. The next time I come up, it was the same. And about two weeks after that, I came up again, and he was preoccupied, just totally preoccupied. He didn't do a whole lot. He did get excited when I made a fire because I did bring uh, probably been born the last season 
in the last year, but the small deer, I did bring that up, and I hadn't brought one up in quite a while. I actually saw it on my way up. I was able to strap it to the back center of the motorcycle and take it up there, so we did have a feast. And yeah, cooked venison, yum, yum. He hadn't had that for a while. Yeah. And, you know, I ate my traditional one, you know, little pea-sized portion in comparison, and it only lasted one meal. <laughs> one meal. God. How many pounds of meat? It wasn't, it wasn't a big deer. It was only about 80, 90 pounds. So. Right. So at that, so that, at that point, how many pounds of meat could he eat in a meal? Well, 80, 90-pound deer <laughs> is probably okay. about 50, 60-pound meat. I maybe ate a pound. Yeah. And he was, you know, sucking the bones dry. There was nothing, gristling, everything gone. And even some <laughs> of the bones. <laughs> he was so that's all you know, the small ones, you know, them little rib bones, you know, just mm-hmm. like how we do with fish. Yeah. Uh, watch out for the little bones, the rib bones. Those are the little bones. <laughs> Jeez. But, you know, some of them you'd crack into, the big ones, and yeah, I guess it's the marrow that's inside, especially when, when you chuck a hind quarter over the fire and let it cook for a while. You know, the outside of it's well done. The inside of it's extremely rare, but... <laughs> you didn't care. <laughs> nope. And you're that's eating it all rare. It's just flavored a little because part of it's cooked. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and something somebody, I think somebody had asked, no, I never took processed foods up except, you know, homemade granola that... We'd make. I took beef jerky. That's the only thing that I ever took that had anything on it. Other, but I never took salt and pepper up with me. I did take carrots and potatoes a bunch because when I, when I was a kid, when we'd go fishing, not me and Glag, but we'd take potatoes and carrots. And when you catch a fish in a roll of tin foil, you take a butter and you put the fish in there. You put chop up a carrot and potatoes and put it in there, wrap it in foil and throw it in the fire and so I always had always took potatoes and carrots and he liked both of those mm-hmm. but I don't think I'd ever mention that I never took processed foods up like candy or the only processed food I took up was beef jerky just dried meat that had some uh, what salt and pepper on it and uh, like liquid smoking stuff but never yeah. had anything sweet up there like candy bars or, you know, not, nothing like that ever. Good. Saved him from having any tooth problems there. That's a good yep. deal. Plus, he wants a super hyperactive sugar rush adult Bigfoot. Hanging could you imagine if I, you know, because of how far I was back in and the vehicle that I had, I never packed a whole lot in my backpack. Right. You know, the, the male milk crates that were on the fenders, when I built the tree stands, those came off as soon as the tree stands were built. I didn't have storage on there. It was just a backpack that I wore. And I always took uh, several jugs of water with me, and that was most of my backpack. I always, you know, I, like I said, I always had a couple of books. And, you know, a Dr. Seuss book isn't that big or heavy. No. But 
and the little New Testament that I had wasn't that big. It, you know, the little one, the pocket that fit in the front shirt pocket. I mean, I can't read that one now. Now that I'm older, the print's too small. I guess that's age, isn't it? But no, I never took anything like that. We just always, you know, had meat and veggies or meat and roots or meat and pine nuts or meat and berries. Always had meat, though. Stuff that he was used to eating, that's good. Yep. So this time that you went out there and you you got a deer on the way there and you started up the fire and started cooking it, and he's acting super distracted. Um, so what ended what ended up happening then? Uh, when I when I started the fire, when I showed up with a deer, he was back to his old leg. For that day until until the deer until dinner was done, then he is back to you know the whole time he is eating and building a fire and cooking stuff is you know getting it back to his old self like it used to be. Right. So I was thinking, cool. It, it might have just been that hadn't had we hadn't I hadn't cooked you know a big a big chunk of meat like we had before. This was the first time I'd brought up you know a big big chunk to cook on the fire, and so I didn't think anything about it. I made the plan. You know we goofed off the rest of the time. That night and the next day, I went back. Told him I'd be back in five days, five or six days. I don't remember exactly. I think it was five, but it might have been six. And when I came back up again, he wasn't there. It took him about two hours. I was sitting there by myself for about two hours, actually contemplating going back home. Then second guessing if I told him the right day, and I was like, "No, I told him this day. I'm sure I told him this day, positive." And right about the time I was getting ready to head back out, he showed up, and he didn't run up and give me a big hug like he usually did. If he was distant before the last three or four times I'd been up, he was extremely preoccupied this time. And oh, something I need to say something before I go into that. As soon as I got there, and Glag wasn't there, everything that I'd give him was inside the cave. Everything from his his home where he stayed. Everything, trinkets, the busted balls, the blanket, everything was in that little cave there. Every single thing that I had given him was there. And the whole time I'm sitting there waiting for him, I'm thinking, no, no, this better not, then no, this can't be happening now. You know, it's what I always wanted to happen, but I think I knew what it meant. And then I was preoccupied. I don't know how long he is there. I actually finally noticed him on the tree line, but he just hadn't come in to see me, and I don't know how long he was there. But does that make sense? You understand what I'm saying? Everything that I'd ever given him in the last five years was in that cave. (sighs) 
And then when he came out, you know, asked him what's going on. Why's why did why's all that stuff there? And don't you want it anymore? No. Why? And so you know, we didn't do a lot that day. Well, it wasn't a long time that he was there that day. He actually left first. And are you still there? Yes. Okay. There was nothing like it had ever been before, you know. Not only was it distant, everything's there in the cave, and he's not in actual happy to see me, act preoccupied, and it's, what's going on, Glegg? And it's like, did you, uh, you know, just jokingly trying to make lighten the mood, as in, did you get a girlfriend, but and you're going to go out on a date with her instead of me, your buddy? And... You know, that look on his face was like, what's going on? And he's like, oh, he's like, oh, crap. He found me out. But he's like, Glegg, do you, do you have, is, is there another Bigfoot around here? Because I did start noticing that it didn't feel bad, but there was something I, that didn't feel right, didn't feel bad. I don't know if that makes any sense. But, like, Glegg, do you have a girlfriend? Is there a girlfriend? Is there a is there another Bigfoot here, Clegg? And he finally said, "Yep." And it's like, really? Can I? Is it your girlfriend? And I don't remember if I said girlfriend, but I no, I asked, "Is it another Bigfoot?" And I said, "Is it a girl?" And that's when he said, "Yes." And I think me and you had talked about this a little bit, and this is one I want to ask Cat. I know he wasn't. You know, I still think he was a, a kid. Not an adult, but something we had talked about, and I don't don't want to try to taint it, but I didn't get the feeling like, you know, it was a mate or anything. It was just like a friend. You'd found another friend other than me. Right. But it's like, can I, are they here? Can I see them? And he barked something, you know, and just not really barked, but made a noise. It turned away from me, made a noise, you know, back the way it came. And it's like, what, are they over there? What's their name? And he's, you know, just, I, yeah, I don't remember exactly because it's all happening way too fast. But, you know, four or five times when I kept asking about who's over there, you know, he had tur- turned his head that way and he'd bark something. I don't remember what it was, but he'd just make a deep, loud sound. And then it's like, He said, uh, you know, he told me that he was going to go and, you know, he he just said, go, you know, my word, go. He said that he was going to leave. But I asked asked one more time, if it's a if it's a woman, can I see her? And he said, yep. And he turned and he just really loud, just. And I saw one step out from the trees just so I could see it. You know, and it was a, oh, mercy. I don't know. 
how to explain it, but you know, when he'd turn his head and he'd just make the noise, it's like, hey, is what I was getting. And then when he turned and said, hey, you step out so my buddy can see you, is what I interpreted because when he went, that one stepped out from behind the tree. She stood there for, and it was a female. I couldn't get a great look because she's 65, 70 feet, you know, other side of the clearing from me. Stood there for probably 20 seconds and then stepped back into the tree. And that's when Greg said that he had to go. Then I asked him, can I have a hug, please? That was the last time I saw him. Did you get a hug from him? Yeah, I did. It wasn't like it was before. It was short and sweet. I don't think he wanted my my Kevin stink on him now. I don't think his woman liked it. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to ask. I cat if it was if she thinks that you know did he find a mate or was it you know I was thinking I didn't think he is that old or is it just a friend and because I was gone so long maybe they he was getting you know if she belonged to a tube I don't know any of that that's questions that I want answered yeah. hold on no remnants of my cold and being a blubbering fool well, I can see him spending a week or two, you know, hanging about doing whatever his Bigfoot business while you're gone. But if you're going to start being gone for months at a time, you know, they're social like humans are. They're going to want to have somebody else around to hang out with. And that's just yeah. like way too long. Yeah. And, you know, in the back of my mind, I knew it when he was being distant. I figured that he had found something else or somebody else or another friend whatever the case may be. I just, I think I knew that, but I didn't want to admit it to myself. And then that, when that happened, I knew that, you know, exactly what I wanted to happen. I wanted him to get integrated back into that society. But now that it's happening, no, screw that. I don't want you to go back there. No. <laughs> it's my best friend in the whole world. So he ended up then, like, turning around and leaving with her after he gave him a hug. Yep. Um, did you take your stuff back to town with him, or did you just leave it there? And what but, you doing? I didn't want anything to do with it. Make me do this, what I'm doing right now. Every time I look at it, it make me do this. Yeah. So you just left it out there at the... Uh, the meeting cave. Yeah. I remember I told you, if he would have showed me how to get into there, I would have never found it by myself. Yeah. And same thing back where he stayed. If he wouldn't have showed me where he actually slept at, I would have never found it. Wow. And I have looked at topo maps, and I have a pretty good idea where I think we were, just because of you know, our swimming hole where we was at. I think I have a pretty good idea of the general area where it was there. If he is in that same area or if he's anywhere around there, you know, yeah. 
you could be, you know, there's four million acres that yeah. of you know forests that humans don't step in have never been yet. Yep. They have they can live in any acre is going to have what they need to survive. Food well, of course, there's life. been a, a million questions uh, about this that after the, the very last meeting happened like this, did you ever try and go back out and find them again? Yeah, I did. And every time I went back, it was evident that that spot nobody had been to other than the critters that just wandered through. Mm-hmm. I could tell that he hadn't been back to that spot since that day. Well, sad but not entirely unexpected, and that was actually what you were shooting for, is making him a full-on Sasquatch in the woods again. I didn't want that. That's what I thought I wanted. Be careful what you wish for means so much more in that case, doesn't it? Yep. It always does. Be careful what you wish for. You might get it. I got my wish. I lost my best friend. Not a bad thing. Sometimes when you get your wish, your dream turns out to be a nightmare. Exactly. The fairy tale ended right then. And yes, everybody wants to know. I would love just to see my buddy again, even from a distance, just to know he's okay. Yeah, by now he's probably got squats, so it's, you could be reading Hop on Pop, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <clears throat> and I hope they're the biggest, toughest sons of bitches in the whole backcountry. Yeah, well, it sounds like he wasn't any little runt or anything either, because he probably wasn't anywhere. In, he wasn't full grown when you last saw him, and he was already a hurricane big guy. So, yeah, the well, very last that. time you saw him, how big do you estimate him to be? Over nine hundred, over a thousand. Just the previous. He was, he was well. He was over a thousand. He was huge, and he was probably another two, three inches. Not you know, not much taller. Ten, maybe ten, a little ten or a little more. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. I guess he was. He was a lot taller. I wouldn't have been able to get on his back unless he would have got down to all fours, probably. You know, and wow. as it was when he, you know, the year before, I mean, he'd have to get down. And that that's something to try to explain. He would not like take a knee like we would. He would get go on to all fours, and I'd hop up on his back, and then he'd stand up. That's how I'd get on his back. It wasn't, you know, there's no me putting my arms around his shoulders and climbing up. That's just impossible. I'm I'm not, you know, Shaquille O'Neal. I'm not tall enough to reach his shoulders. Right, right. Because I'm a white man that can't jump. Yeah, I'm good. Well, so anyway, he, so the last time you saw him, he must have been close to 10 feet tall and 12, 1,400 pounds. Yeah. And something I didn't mention that I think uh, warrants mentioning, the night that he got in a fight to save my life, I think, is 
when he turned around and bolted back towards me, he dropped all fours. When he came at me, he was on all fours, and I hadn't seen that in a long time. You know, when he was younger, I saw him. Right. You know, the first time I saw him run away, when he was trying to get the deer that was hanging in the tree, he ran away on all fours. And now as he started getting bigger, he, uh, all I ever saw was him move around upright. But that night when he turned, you know, just bolted back towards me, dropped all fours, and just, that's the fastest I ever saw him move was right then. And it was on all four. That must have freaked you out, too, because he doesn't usually run around on all fours anymore. He's on all that's fours. He's going as fast that's as that's he can, scary. and he's heading right for you. I Truthfully, I can't tell you why he was able to avoid just smooth, just mowing me under. How did he transition from that fast to, well, obviously my body paid the price for it. He slowed down enough to get a hold of me and go up the tree. You know, how fast he was going. How did he? Yeah. Well, it's easy to see why your body weight would rip your arm out of the socket. But, you know, it's like he grabbed you by the wrist. I bet you with the hand he had that, the size of his hand, was probably like partway around your hand and halfway up to your damn elbow just grabbing you around the wrist. Yes, well, yeah. It was a lot. When he grabbed, it was a lot. I, I said wrist, but, yeah, it was my wrist. My hand was engulfed by his and. You know, his pinky was probably two-thirds of the way down my forearm. Oh, God. That's about what I was picturing, yeah, because I, I have a real good mental image of how big their hands are. So when you said he grabbed me by the wrist, I was like, yeah, he grabbed you by everything almost up to the forearm, but I didn't want to correct Yeah, meaning you. he didn't grab me uh, between the elbow, and luckily he didn't grab my elbow because that probably could have shattered my elbow if he wouldn't have grabbed closer down to the end of my hand, and I think... He was smart enough to understand that when I grabbed there instead of grabbing closer to my shoulder. Well, if he would have just grabbed you by the hand or something, he could have accidentally tore your hand completely off. That would have been even worse. And I don't want to think about that. I have since then that that tells you how intelligent they are because he knew that... I don't think he knew it was going to hurt me like that, but he knew enough to be as gentle as he could under that situation. And you know, I just wonder... The week that I just got hurt like that. I wonder if poor Glag was having a flashback to when his family got killed. Here's the danger. He's the one that's in charge. You're the vulnerable one like he was. Oh, shit, they're going to attack. What did Mom do? Oh, Mom grabbed me by the arm and ran up a tree and hid me. That's what... I I have wondered that, too, if that... You know, because it told you this the look on his face was no way to explain it, but it was, I knew it was fear. Now, somebody had mentioned that in one of the questions, and I wonder that myself. Is that what happened to him? Did one of his parents do the same thing to him on that night? And so uh, that was just instinctual because they are yeah, ingrained yeah. in his memory because that's what his mom did. She got, she hit him, and then she went down to, you know, try to fight off what was trying to hurt him, and unfortunately, she just couldn't fight off bullets. Yeah, hard to dodge, hard to hard to fight off. Well, apparently, something happened to her and and uh, and his dad too, and whatever other family members he had around because they weren't around. 
Um, but, uh, you know, it's like you almost wonder about his mindset. I mean, if that's what was going on and he was having a flashback to, oh, here it is all over again, only this time I'm in the position mom and dad were, and i got to protect Kevin and get him up this tree. So what was he thinking going back down that tree toward the danger? Now it's all up to me. I can't fail like my mom and dad did. I've got to yeah, protect I, Kevin. And that, you know how powerful that is? You know, if you look at it that way, then that speaks so much more about what they are. I mean, just the whole thing, I think, does, but, you know, I've wondered that a lot. You know, yeah, I'm glad you didn't see the actual fight between him and whatever else was out there, but honestly, I wish you had, just so that we know actually what happened and how much damage he did to him. You know, I kind of wish that I had seen it, but I am so thankful that I didn't with what I heard. You'd have, yeah, you'd have much worse nightmares. Well, the aftermath of it, if I wouldn't have been in shock from what happened to my shoulder, I think I would have freaked out when he came back because you don't understand. He was covered in blood. It just... Yeah, and again, considering the light amount of wounding that he took, that makes me wonder if there was any survivors. Which is sort of kind I of what not. I was getting. God, I hope I'm not. kind of doubting that there were. If there, if you kill them, however many there were, that uh, serves them right. Well, you know, if he was in that mindset where he was flashing back and reliving that whole thing, to him, those other Bigfoot became the hunters that killed his family. Yes, and that means it didn't. Wouldn't and if that's what was going through his mind, it wouldn't matter if there's twenty of them. I don't think. Yeah, pretty much was my my take on it too. He, he wasn't playing any friggin' games with them, you know, he, and he wasn't going to let them take away the only friend that he had. Yeah. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to to add to the the saga before we conclude it here? And just before anybody starts weeping piteously, we will be having a discussion, a roundtable discussion on interaction. And Kevin will be back, and Taylor will be there, and Kat will be there. Anything so don't you panic yet. Yeah, ask Kevin yet. <laughs> What's that? I said anything that anybody wants to ask, something that I haven't thought of or haven't covered. Or, you know, there's been some good questions I've seen. I promise you guys, I am I am working on answering questions, going back through each episode, and going through and answering what I can when I can. I am working on it. So if there's one that I haven't got to yet, I can't answer them all, but the decent ones, there's one guy that ever, I think I've seen a couple episodes. I'm not going to tell you anything about how big his weenie was. It's not important. Do you go around looking at your best friend's nutsack all day long? Ask yourself that question. <laughs> no, it's not something I'm worried about, and I'm not going to say it. Talk about it. It's, it's <laughs> The answer is it's proportional to their body size. It's like It's like humans. Yeah. It's proportional, and that's all I'm going to say about it. Well, on that uncomfortable note. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think uh, that's just, all that needs to be said. It wasn't important. Yeah. If there's anything important that you want to know that I might have the answer to, I don't know everything. All I know is what I experienced with my buddy. There's so much. How big were his ears? 
um, they're not like ours. They're there, but they're mercy. That's a good question. I understand that like they're pulled in pretty tight to their head. They don't stick yeah. out like Dumbo ears or something. But yeah, they're not like they don't stick. You can you can see them, but they're not like ours. How they they don't stick out at all. They're right flat against their head. And I guess proportionally to his head size, it's just his head is huge compared to ours, but they're proportional right. like ours are. You know, always there's exceptions to the rule. I had right. an uncle that could hear a ghost fart from three and a half miles with his ears. We called him Dumbo. He used to fly yeah. in and use them. <laughs> well, he would have had to get him trimmed down to be Dumbo. <laughs> it's altered deluxe glider Dumbo version. Uh, well, anyway, passenger liner Dumbo, <laughs> the passenger liner Dumbo, yeah. Well, thanks for thanks for coming on the show and sharing this whole long saga with everyone. I appreciate that you had the tenacity to keep going with it. We've had some technical problems here, and in order to get this last episode re- uh, recorded, uh, Kevin had to actually rewire part of the place that he lives in and put a phone line out to the garage. He had to get a, so a landline put in. Yeah, he house. literally had to get a landline put in so we could get a decent signal to record the last part with because we tried already once and bad weather and it was horrible. And, you know, so we so here it a day later. On this last one, it's just yeah. the last time <laughs> it was two. Something always so happens. It's all, it's all for you guys. You see what we do go through for you? Yeah. Kevin especially, he didn't have to go through any of this stuff to tell his story, and he went way out of his way to make sure he's got a landline so he can actually hear what he's saying. And if I had tried to actually, you know, record and release the version that we were trying to record yesterday, you all would have killed me. So that's why that that version will will never be heard again. Yeah, because it sounded like one minute he was right next to your ear, and the next minute he had stuck his head through a manhole and was talking into a sewer, and you were hearing him still on the surface. And that's how quality was. And now we, I have a landline here, actually, in my workshop where it's quiet, where none of my family members can bother me because I can lock that door right there, and the the show's over. Yeah, it's going to work out. Uh, it'll work out very well when we do our little roundtable discussion, too, because then you got multiple people online. You don't want to have exponential background noise on all of them bleeding through, making it unlistenable for everyone. So, uh, well, is that it then, bud? Are we ready to go? Yeah, I, I think so. It, just tell any, anybody has a question, we'll try to do another question and answer session. I'll try to answer if I if I can. And to, but to the people out there that think I'm lying, yeah, that, great. I that yeah, I'm not asking to believe me or not. If you do, thank you and thank you for not ripping me apart for my health issues and the way I talk. I appreciate that so much. And just thanks for listening and all the kind comments. Thank you very much. And for my part, I'd like to thank everybody for, uh, again, for the same thing, for the kind comments on Kevin's behalf. Um, you know, this has obviously been traumatic for him to retell this whole thing, although I'm sure in some ways it's been cathartic to actually get it off his chest and to have positive uh, feedback on it um, has been like the icing on the cake. So I'm glad he was willing to come on the show and share the whole thing in the first place and to you know, go through the process of recording seven episodes just to get the story told. This is not what usually happens with somebody that comes on a show and talks about an encounter. Uh, well, so it has, it has been difficult. Yeah, it's, you know, been a couple but months. It, that we've but it been has helped. Trying to 
and good. I'm glad. And, you know, we've been trying to get this whole story together and put it out to you guys. And so it's all documented. Everybody knows what happened. Like Kevin was saying, you know, the, the videos are still up. You got any questions on any specific episodes or anything, post the comments and questions underneath it. We'll try and catch those in the uh, the roundtable discussion that we're going to do with Kev. And, uh, and I'm going back know, to each episode trying to answer questions that have been up there for a while. I am going through it. It's just it's slowly I do have uh, some kids that think they need to eat every single day. So, you know, and the other thing is that, uh, you know, if you – Depending on how interested you folks are in doing this, we've already sort of got volunteers that are willing to take Kevin way out into the backcountry of Idaho to try and reunite him with Glag again. And uh, we have a lot of logistical hurdles to overcome to make this happen. But we're seriously thinking about trying to help him out with this. So uh, give us some feedback on that, what you guys think about it. If you, uh, you know, if we can put together like a Kickstarter or something to fund Kevin's expedition to find Glag again. Uh, you know, I'm pretty much right next door. It wouldn't cost me much of anything to get there. So it's mainly for others, your, your place others from place. elsewhere. Yeah, Kevin's way further away. <laughs> yeah. And we got a couple other people that we'd want on the team that are further away, too. But uh, we can line yeah, up I quite the amazing up team and way, go out there and try and find Glag. Quest for Glag. That would, we're not finding Bigfoot. We're looking for one specific Bigfoot. Yeah. Oh, no, finding Bigfoot's easy. I can do that all day long. So, yeah, We're going to make it a challenge and find one specific Bigfoot. And, you know, we, we've got the team with the people that you know to get it done, though. Yep, including somebody that can even speak their language that might be able to be coerced into coming along with us. So That would mean, mm. that would be, if I, like I mentioned earlier tonight, that would mean the world to me just to be able to see him, even if I can't interact with him like I used to, just to know that he's okay would mean the world to me. Oh, hell, if we could get him to yell at us from across a valley and just yell your name so we knew he was out there, I'd be happy. At least he's still alive and or, there he knows you're there. He went looking for him. off and get out of his property. Yeah. Why <laughs> <laughs> as as he doesn't hurl a boulder and yell F you from across the canyon? <laughs> Hope that wouldn't happen. Somebody right, well, I wonder if they named his, his one of you if he has kids Squatchlets. You know what? If I could actually find that out, that would be so cool. If there's a Bigfoot running around the forest named Kevin. Yeah. That, yeah, he's got two two Squatchlets, one named Kevin and one named Glag Mark II, the Doombringer. <laughs> <laughs> and then his sweet little daughter Glagat. Yeah. Uh, just you know, Bigfoot names Slamy that you know they have them. <laughs> I know what they sound like. Very interesting. Well, Glag is. I mean, that's an awesome name, Glag. You have no idea how much I have used that name for stuff in my life. Well, and it, it fits too. I mean, you know, for a Bigfoot type character, it's like, yeah, I can see a Bigfoot with a name like Glag. That kind of, that would describe a Bigfoot pretty good. That's one of the onomatopoeia names, you know. <laughs> it sounds like it's descriptor. Well, again, thank, thanks, thanks, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. You're, for you're welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all the help that, that how much it has helped. Just look at how 
much better, I think, I sounded from episode one till now. I mean, there's, you know, a weight that's off my chest. It's easier to talk about. It's still difficult about the parts of it, but it has helped more than you know. Right on, brother. I'm sorry. Somebody mentioned that, you know, I think that's, you got to remember I've had a stroke. Some of that's with the negatives that I have, have because of that, I'll take it because of how bad you can be having a stroke. My problems are minor compared to how some people are. I'm very grateful that my stroke wasn't as bad as some I've seen. I'm still able to function normally. And some people, you know, don't survive it. But thanks for the people that haven't ripped me apart because of the way I talk at times. Thank you very much. And Kevin does have ongoing bad health, so if you guys feel inclined to continue to pray for him, that would not be unwelcome. Much appreciated. One reason why I decided to tell this story because of my health issues. Well, and you know, we don't need to go a whole lot further with that, but I have a couple other guests that are sort of in that category too, where it's like pretty touch and go. Grizz that I just had on was in the hospital for six weeks. That's how I found the show in the first place. All we could do is sit around and get stuck with needles and listen to Sasquatch Chronicles and World Bigfoot Radio. <laughs> listen now to my the hospital. Yeah, he's he's all psyched to go get out in the woods and go find Bigfoot somewhere now. <laughs> and I got another guest that I've been trying to get on here for for months now. I just put up a prayer chain for him because he's been so sick he hasn't even been able to come out and record a show and he's been wanting to for months. And I'd love to get this guy on. He's uh you know, actually had sightings of its own, his own and collected a lot of reports of other people that had sightings of the rock apes over in Vietnam. And plus he's seen Bigfoot in North America and done research on that too. So it'd be a great guy to get on and, you know, tell everything he knows. And I, I, I worry about some of these, you know, older guests who've got such a great wealth of knowledge. And it's like, well, hurry up and share it quick before something happens, you know. <laughs> there is so much that... I wanted to get from my grandpa, and towards the end, he finally started opening up, but I wish he would have opened up years before. Yeah, you know, so much right. of that is gone when our old, old old people start going away. There's so much knowledge that's lost. Yeah. Why I decided why he was able to talk me into coming on the air. I think it was important enough that little bit that I do know you know, uh, you know a lot. You've had a lot of first-hand experience and interaction that most people could only dream of having that kind of uh, opportunity to do close-range observation on these, their favorite quarters of interest. So, you know, that's how a lot of people really are jealous and envious of your situation. Me, not so much. I'm kind of glad that I didn't have to deal with what you dealt with. And, um, you know, my encounters with unfriendly ones have been bad enough. With the whole the whole circumstance, I know that my experience is totally unique, and I'm blessed because of it. But th- my situation at home put me in the mindset to just get my friend. And what happened to him? If you know, I I know that it's totally 100 percent unique, and I can only tell you what I witnessed through. This little guy that was, you know, orphaned. Yeah. There's so much that he might not have been able to do, or uh, that's all I can talk about is what I've seen with my buddy. 
And again, yeah, on behalf of the uh, entire Bigfoot community that's interested in your story and wants to know about it, thank you for coming on and sharing it with all of us because, you know, sure. after after both of us are tacked, there's probably going to still be a copy of this floating around somewhere. And if they haven't already proven Bigfoot's real by then, at some point in the future they will, and they can go back and listen to this and go, oh, well, Kevin wasn't telling any lies at all. This is all accurate. It all matches up with what we know. Yeah. If you if you think I'm lying, I have a place that I'll, I can put you in the mountains, and let's see if you think I'm telling the truth or not. Just go spend the night up there. Yeah, just take them on a bike ride through the target range there where all the local loonies go to get through rocks thrown at them. Yeah, the boulder that's what I was talking about. Go make sure it's a two-stroke with a, with a loud pipe on it and go ripping through there. Make, make a lot sure of you can get it at least 60 miles an hour, assuming you want to survive. Yeah, if, if, if you, you don't care if you come back or not, you know, 50 is fine, 45, don't worry about it. But if you go up there assuming that I'm telling a lie, uh, actually I would recommend not because I would hate for somebody something to happen to somebody, even an idiot. Yeah. No, don't, don't encourage the idiots. No, no, don't do that. Don't pull on Superman. They, they have enough encouragement. Don't spin the as it is. Yeah. And always remember that you have to be kind and you have to pay it forward. And it's safety first, last, and always. First, last, and always. And whatever you do, what don't you do? You don't hug the Wookiee. All right. Thanks, folks. We'll see you next show. All right. That's it. We got her. Yay. Cool. I'm going to take the beginning off the previous attempt we made yesterday since that was my voice and actually recorded clear and Okay. Chop that off and use it for the intro part, and then I'll take the one that we just did and edit that and put that on, put it together and make a show out of it, and that'll be number seven. Yeah, I know you're going to have to edit this one pretty heavily. I know there was some long pauses in there, but... No, are you kidding me, dude? Every show is like that. And Grizz is the same as you are, long pauses all the time. I, I'm talking like, you know, in every sec- 60 seconds of audio, there's five to seven edits. Holy crap. It's a lot more than you think. When you start looking at the file, you're going, oh, God, there's huge spots all over the place in here. And, you know, some of these motormouth guests that I get on here, they'd never stop to think. They're thinking while they're talking, which is even more amazing because they don't fuck up ever. But, uh, you know, it's like Rich Sewell or or Cat or one of those guys. I got one of them on. They're just a motormouth. I hardly have to – I think the last show I did with Cat, I had to make two edits. There's like two audio edits on the whole fucking show. And I was just like, oh, my God, how different is this? But <laughs> no, with Grizz, it was the same thing as you, buddy, and he hasn't had a stroke or anything. He's just got that hickish way of talking, and he likes to stop and think about what he's saying beforehand, and probably because he hasn't done a lot of shows and stuff like this or public speaking, which is just fine, you know, because I had it made it sound good and everything. Shit, I thought his show turned out pretty good, actually. People seem to like it. I did. I liked it. And he's actually a outfitting uh, wilderness guide type guy who has the skill of being able to fly a helicopter. <clears throat> so if we want somebody nearby that can actually help us on this mission to find Glag, he's right up in Libby. Well, you just got to hop right over that, right over top of the Great Divide or the Continental Divide or the the pad the, from Monday. He's just he just has to get in his helicopter, go up and go over a few feet, and he's over. I know that kind yeah. of 
Well, I don't know if he's actually got a helicopter any, anymore or anything, but he used to be a copter pilot, had his own company making uh, fly fishing lures, was a guide for backcountry hunting expeditions and shit. So if we want somebody else to be on team, let's find Glag. This would probably be a good guy to have on it. And he's seen Bigfoot before, too. He's been on my show, so won't be well, panicking with, shit with his people pants. That, that you know, that have been on your show... You know, that would be an all-star cast. What better group to have go look for one Bigfoot than this? I don't yeah. I can't think of any, anybody else uh, that, well, maybe Bear. Oh, hell, everybody's oh, you, down for it. already asked him, and he's already in. I forgot about that. Yeah, Bear would be up for an expedition. I wasn't specific about which one. Sonny wants to do it. Taylor wants to do it. Uh, Kate, man, if he could afford to get up here for sure, would show up for it. I would love That's to all. have the, all of those people. I'd each one of them you just mentioned when I listen on your show, there's certain things that people say that, you know, they're telling you they've seen something. And I've got that from all of them. That's, you know, that's what I like about your guests, you know, me excluded, but because I try not to listen to the episode. I go through and let it play, but turn the volume off to give you the, a couple extra views, but... Probably listen I don't, to one of them. I don't listen to my voice at all. I do listen to them. It's just my voice—it just kills me. But every one of your guests, I haven't had a problem with any of your guests. You know, thinking no bullshit. But there's some of the shows I listen to, Dogman Encounters with Vic Cundiff. Yeah. There's a few I've heard that it's like nah, and there's been a few yeah. on Wes's that. They're like, no, there's a few things to say, but then it's when they say this or this or this, it's like uh, bullshit. Or yeah. you've seen something you saw was not Bigfoot. Yeah. Well, at least I, I don't think there's anybody that I have thought like that on your show. Well, that sure is high praise indeed, because we've had some really hard-to-believe guests on my show. Cat and Taylor are at the top of the list there. For most people to go, no way, that can't, that can't, that can't happen, it can't be happening. It is. Deal with it. Well, the one that most people can't believe, I'm like, holy crap, I want to talk to them. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, well, I've actually interacted with the Bigfoot, and I know they're not fucking full of shit. They're telling the truth. <laughs> There's something that me and Taylor talked about, about, the physical contact, it's like electric. And mm-hmm. when I was talking to him, you know, when he said that, it's, you know, it's not electric, but there's just a feeling that you get that is extremely powerful. When somebody mentions that, I know what they're talking about. You, you can't fake that. Yeah. When. Well, how much fun did you have talking to Taylor? I'm glad I finally got you guys together so you could talk to each other a little bit. Well, it, what did we talk until my headset and my phone both died? <laughs> well, that's a good sign. I need to get a hold of that yo-yo and see what he's been up to. Apparently, he's, they let him back on Facebook finally. Yeah. I don't know if you, you caught it. I don't, I don't remember if I sent you a copy of it or not, but Devin King, the guy that does about like half the Bigfoot artwork for my show... He's been gone for about two weeks and just reappeared. He was, like, super sick and hasn't been on the Internet or anything. He's trying to get caught up on all the artwork he had scheduled to get done, including a nice Wendigo illustration for me. 
<clears throat> but he goes, yeah, I was just fucking around the garage yesterday and recorded this, check it out, and he sends me this little video of him playing guitar to, like, some disturbed song or something. <laughs> They're watching this going, hey, Sid, come here. <laughs> Sid, the drummer from Swamp Ritual, watch this. And he's like, who the fuck is this? And I'm like, it's like one of the guys that does Bigfoot art for me. He's like, he's a fucking good guitar player. And I'm like, yeah, no shit, right? <laughs> So when we have our little, uh, we start having to do a yearly gathering here for all the uh, the alumni of World Bigfoot Radio. Everybody that's involved in the show can get together and do a camp out once a year. Right. And those guys will, will of course, be invited. And, of course, Swamp Ridge will be providing music for us. I was us, just so going to say, can you imagine the, the songs around the campfire on this expedition? Oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. We, you know, whether we find Glag or not, we could just record the campfire conversations and get, exactly. like, many hours out of this. <laughs> we can do would, lots of shows while we're out there. I can record would, many shows while we're out there. And with Wi-Fi and, or with, uh, you know, being able to, you could broadcast live, just let it play, you know, in the middle of the Idaho backcountry, 64 miles from the nearest road, we bring you World Bigfoot Radio. Where are we yeah. at? We have no idea. We're currently on expedition somewhere in the glag-infested wilderness of Idaho, <laughs> trying to find glag and his infestees. <laughs> and we got Bear okay. and Cat and Caveman and Taylor. And uh, Bob Gimlin is providing the horses for the trip. Say hi, Bob. Hi, Bob. Yeah. There he is. <laughs> yeah, passed up three separate troops, but none of them were glag, so we didn't show much of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, the last Bigfoot we ran into, Cat questioned seriously, and uh, we finally managed to get out of them that Glegg and his troop are over the next mountain range, so we're heading there tomorrow. <laughs> I'm finding one particular Bigfoot. <laughs> On the next episode of Finding One Particular Bigfoot. <laughs> Guess who I don't want on that expedition? Fat Money Grubber? Uh, fat Money Maker. Yeah, he won't be. Or... No, he's only involved in fake Bigfoot. We can't bring him on yeah. real Bigfoot expeditions. You know, he's the world-leading expert on a species he's never actually seen. <laughs> I know, incredible. that gets me. And that that was on that show, let her go with us. She can be cannon fodder. Yeah. I mean, what is the word bait? Yeah, really. Uh, bait, can you, I mean, Renee, can you get out there? <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> I think we'd do the world a favor taking her on an expedition and let yeah. her get... Let's, let's spray you down with a special attractant pheromone composed almost entirely of pepperoni grease and barbecue sauce. According to Bobo, this is the best shit. <laughs> that, that is definitely going to keep the bad stuff away. Yeah. Attracts nothing but grizzlies, wolverines, and Bigfoot, so it's really cutting down the list of potential animals we have to worry about. And because we're only find, trying to find one Bigfoot, we've got this, you know, detractant, this female Bigfoot in yeah. heat you're in. Yeah, we're doing a special kind of call blasting with a loop of, uh, of Kevin reading Hop on Pop broadcast yeah. over and over again. Because <laughs> we know that one particular Bigfoot will respond to this particular call. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Greg, I like to hop. Hop on Pop. Yeah. <laughs> Well, shit, I guess we got to get going here so the damn program okay. hangs up. All right. Well, this one I can't stay on it. As soon as I put it down, it hangs itself up, even if I don't hit the off button. Yay. I, can't. I guess I can take my hang-up dumbass sign off of there. 
<laughs> well, once we know that this works, then you can take it off. Until then, I wouldn't be so certain. Well, but, uh, <laughs> you wouldn't believe how many questions I have got off that little sign right there by my toolbox. <laughs> what is this for? Oh, never mind. Then I'll, I'll tell you later. As soon as uh, Derek came in, I told him about it, and he's like, what's that? And I explained what had happened. And every time he comes in, he's like, so, got to hang up the phone? I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> All right, very well. Let me know how it goes. Uh, I will, I'd... and I'll be sending you a copy of it as soon as it's done, which should be another day and a half, two days. We'll have it out shortly before Christmas, and everybody will be happy. And then after Christmas is over, I can record Bear, who's going to be coming on and talking about the LaFleur incident and the fakeness of it, blowing that fucking hoax out of the water once and for all, which everybody will just love that, that, you know, the guy with the show, the 10 stash, who talk about Wendigo's. Yeah, this is, you know, the guy that actually talks about Wendigo's and Janosqua does a show debunking the Wendigo Janosqua story. Yep. All right, well, let's get off of here. Get off and talk, see. All right, yeah. Actually, let me, uh, Chow something down here, and I'll give you a call back in a little bit. All right. All right, man. Bye-bye. All right. Bye.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.